Hi, all. Welcome back to Woe is Media, episode two. I am here with my lovely co-host, Annabelle, and today we're going to tell you all about what went on this week. Yeah, it was uh, one heck of a week going on in media. At first, I thought it was not that exciting. We were, or I was personally trying to figure out what to report on, and then light bulb moment. Um, My lovely co-host here lives in the great state of Texas. And I don't know if you guys heard, but <laughs> some some stuff went down in Texas this week. So we're going to cover that. And we're also going to talk about the um, the lovely escapades that have been going on on Robinhood Financial, that trading platform that had all the issues with the GameStop stocks. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about both of those things today. Alyssa, what do you have for us? Uh, this week, I am covering uh, the trailer for Timmy Lovato Dancing with the Devil, where she talks about um, her 2018 overdose, as well as uh, the concept of celebrity worship culture and my favorite person in the entire world, Dolly Parton. Love it. <laughs> There's any celebrity that we should worship, it's probably Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton. <laughs> With all, like, this is her world and we're just living in it. And I think her back is probably sore from carrying everything. Carrying us all. Yes. And I'll get into it. Like, I have reasons, like, you know, if you are to worship a celebrity, it would be, it should be Dolly Parton for reasons I will get into later. So. Yes. Right. All right. So let's get started. We'll go to the news first. So we'll get to the Texas stuff a little bit later in the episode. But first, I want to go over what's been going on with Robin Hood. Um, so quick summary, I guess, for what has been going on. There was a big, big blow up in the stock market a couple of weeks ago. There is a popular subreddit called Wall Street Bets and people in this discussion room were basically, they like to swap stock picks, talk about what they think is undervalued and where they think they can make money. There are a lot of hedge funds out there and hedge funds are like these very unregulated financial services corporations that manage a lot of money, generally through very, very high net worth individuals as well as other companies. Um, And they basically make very risky and very strategic and very advanced investments. Um, it's not something that most people do. And that's why they're hedge funds. They, they work on a completely different playing field. Um, what happened in Wall Street Bets was there was discussion about how a bunch of hedge funds had been short on the GameStop stock, on the AMC stock, Bed Bath & Beyond. There are a few others, but those are kind of the big three. Not um, BB&B. <laughs> that's right. And a short position means that they are betting the stock is going to fall. They want it to fall because they have sold it and they want to buy it back for cheaper. So they make the money off the difference. So they learned that a bunch of hedge funds were obviously short on the stock and they're like, well, screw these hedge funds. Let's run up the price and drive these guys out of their position. So screw a bunch you of guys, I'm going home. Yes, basically, <laughs> like we're going to make money off this. So the stock shot up just a ridiculous amount. Um, and one of the platforms that consumer investors, so basically everyday people like you and I, they use this platform called Robinhood, Robinhood Financial, to trade. And why people like this platform is because it is commission-free trading. So you could buy shares of a stock and you're not paying like a broker or anything like that. Um, so, but there were issues because with all the, tr- the buying and the selling going on during that crazy week in the market, Robinhood was like, no, like we're suspending trade. We can't do this. This is just absolutely ridiculous. They were getting collateral calls from their clearinghouse, which means that Ooh. the other side of the, of the trade that Robinhood facilitates, they were making Robinhood put up all this money because there were so many orders coming in. Yeah. Um, and the collateral calls were ridiculous. It was $3 billion, And Robinhood just didn't have that liquidity. So they were like, nope. Oh. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> That's how much volume it was. It was insane. So they imposed the trade restrictions. Okay. And why people are angry about that is because you know who uses Robinhood? Normal people. You know who Middle class, work? working yeah. class people out here trying to get their dollar. Yes, the 99%. You know who doesn't use Robinhood? 
the 1%, the hedge funds. So it seemed to be sort of like almost a classless war because hedge funds could continue to trade as they wanted to because they had a platform where they didn't have the same restrictions. Whereas common people were not able to make the moves that they wanted to make. They couldn't profit off their gains or they couldn't you know, buy and get into the action. So Congress decided to get to the bottom of this and they had a congressional hearing on Thursday of this week to kind of talk to the Robinhood CEO and they're like, what happened? What went on? Is it your business model? Was this a fluke event? Like we have to get to the bottom of this. And essentially what they kind of got to the bottom of it was this is the House Financial Services Committee. They were the ones kind of interrogating all these people. Um, AOC is on that committee, by the way. She's oh, hey girl. one of the more well-known people in Congress. <laughs> so they basically wanted to determine if Robinhood does more harm than good in its trading because while it is commission-free, which seems awesome, it works on a business model called... Um, I lost my place. It's okay. <laughs> Okay. It works on a business order, a business model called payment for order flow okay. and payment for order flow. It's basically like Robinhood has an agreement with a clearinghouse that they will send the clearinghouse a bunch of trades in exchange for money. Mm-hmm. So the clearinghouse is paying Robinhood for this volume. So Robinhood is incentivized to get a lot of trades okay, because they will make a lot more money that way. Yes. The so, coin. And this is legal. There's nothing like under the table about it, but it's, it's speculative for a lot of people. They don't necessarily mm-hmm. think that that's in everybody's best interest. And the types of people who do a lot of trades are very sophisticated investors. They are the more the hedge fund type people like if you talk to any financial advisor, they will not encourage you to go out and buy and sell every single day. Gotcha. They want you to just, you know, pick a few broad classes and just like sit on that and like watch it grow. So there was, um, there's a lot of speculation about Robinhood's business model. And if it's really free, because they're sort of hiding the cost and the fact that the orders are kind of what they're profiting off of. Um, so the CEO kind of came under fire during this hearing. He admitted to making mistakes, but you know, if Robinhood did not restrict the trading, all the shares that would have been requested to buy, they would have been sold to cover that collateral without consent from the investors. Mm. And that would have been a lot of people. So they ultimately did make the right call because they did somewhat screw over investors, but they screwed them over a lot less than they could have. <laughs> is basically the gist of it. Gotcha. Um, and they didn't talk to the clearinghouse about the restrictions. So this was just a mess. And I think, I mean, everybody was following this. There was just so much attention on these few stocks in Wall Street. Like, it's just, and there was sort of a war, you know, between the hedge funds and kind of the common man investor. And I should add that Robinhood's mission is to just make finance more accessible. And that's personally something I can get behind. Yeah. Um, they have a great markets podcast that I listen to every weekday. I've been listening to them for years. Um, so they are historically a pretty good company, but I think the issue here is not so much like Robinhood and the motives of you know, their CEO or anything like that. It's just more so about like the incentives. Yeah. Like if they want people to trade all the time, they're going to get more money. And like, look, they're not a nonprofit corporation. No one's ever said that they're a nonprofit. They are a business. They're trying to make money. Nothing wrong with that. But especially in crazy situations like this one with Reddit going after GameStop so hard. It causes problems for sure. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what Congress decides. I don't necessarily know if there will be any hardcore regulation that comes out of this. Um, but I do think Robin Hood is going to be under scrutiny for a while. Gotcha. This might be like a, a long shot reference, but when you were like, oh, they screwed people over, but they didn't screw people over as much as they could have, it reminded me of Lil' Kim's verse in Notorious, where she goes, be glad I pushed my album back. I did y'all hoes a favor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my mind. I like it. It's a good pop culture reference to it. Uh... Robin Hood is the Lil' Kim of the finance world. <laughs> 
Yeah. And a lot of people were like frustrated because the fact that it's called Robin Hood, you know, Robin Hood's whole thing is robbing the rich to give to the poor. Fair enough. That is, that is a good point. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what these Redditors were using it for. They were trying to like, you know, they're like, we're, the hedge funds don't need to make money. We need to make money. Mm-hmm. You know, make no mistake. A lot of people did make a lot of money on this. Mm -hmm. uh, the taxes are going to be ridiculous on some of this. Wee woo. Yeah, um, there's something called capital gains tax. I feel like a lot of people don't know that when they get into investing. But once you sell a stock, you got to pay tax on the profit of it. So, mm -hmm. yes, people. Um, so yeah, um, that's pretty much all I have on that. Uh, like I said, I think, I think the incentives are the main issue here. I don't know if there will necessarily be any major reforms because commission-free trading kind of is the norm nowadays. E-Trade does it. Um, I think Charles Schwab does too. I'm not positive on that one. Obviously Robinhood. So I don't know. It's kind of what investors have come to expect. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens in the aftermath of this one. Oodle lolly, oodle lolly, golly, what a day. <laughs> golly, what a day. <laughs> Just another day at the office on Wall Street. Yeah. yeah. Um, getting getting run out of your short positions by all these people on Reddit. But mm -hmm. um, it should also be noted that what was going on on Reddit a lot of people were maybe thinking that that was illegal because if you conspire like that in a group to buy a stock and like send the price up because when there's more demand obviously the prices is going to go higher mm -hmm. um but it doesn't really seem like based on what the house financial services committee did in their investigation it didn't really seem like the reddit discussion forum is going to meet the definition of market manipulation so I don't think anybody who is involved with the Reddit community will be in trouble. Gotcha. Gotcha. Unless they don't pay their taxes. The IRS will come after them if they don't. Oof. Yeah, you don't mess with those people. They're scary. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Tax deadline coming up, by the way, everybody. Just uh, FYI. The PSA. No extension this year for the pandemic, <laughs> unfortunately. The IRS said, nope, get it together. <laughs> Um, all right, so that's our Robin Hood story for the day. Um, next, we're going to get into the Texas weather woes. I have no idea what you're speaking about. <laughs> really? Nothing? You didn't hear about this? No, not at all. <laughs> Please inform me. So like I said a little earlier, Alyssa resides in the Lone Star State. So she, um, she had to experience a lot of this stuff going on. And her family's there as well. And they were, sounded like a rough week for you guys. How are you holding up? I am personally doing much better. Um, I have power and I have, my water pressure is like pretty much 100% back, which is great. Um, on the second day after the storm hit, so Wednesday, um, I didn't have any water pressure at all. And I told some of my friends, such as Annabelle, the story, but I literally had to go out to a gas station, buy myself a 24 pack of drinking water, simmer it on my stove top, and bathe with that water because I didn't have enough for a shower. I didn't have enough for a bath. So I, I was roughing it a little bit this week, but it thankfully- like a little house on the prairie story when they would like take snow and like boil that over a fire and bathe in the, like the melted snow water. Just slightly. And I feel like I have read that some people did in fact go out and like get some snow to boil. So that is wild. Yes. I mean, it's, and you think about like Texas being a Southern state, you would never necessarily expect at face value that they would have such severe weather that would cause these problems. Absolutely. And it's 70 degrees right now. Yeah. But we're going to get into this, you know, why that was an issue and why nobody could access their utilities for days on end. So basically the, the temperature was in the single digits. Like it was really, really cold in Texas. Um, not, not good. Arctic, Arctic, um, what was it? Winds? Vortex? Polar vortex. Polar uh, vortex. Thank you. Winds and just cold temperatures, basically. Freezing yeah. rain. That sounds kind of scary. It's <laughs> like, ooh, you're going to get stuck. Um, but when it's really cold out, it's hard to produce electricity. Uh, and power plants in Texas, and Texas is not the only state with this issue. California actually has the same problem, and that's why they had issues with their wildfires months ago. Mm -hmm. But the power plants right now, they don't have any incentive to winterize, like no. none at all. They're just worried about 
like short-term energy prices being cheap and just like getting their profit and walking away. And the Texas electricity system is deregulated and privatized, yes. which means generally cheap prices for consumers, which, you know, everybody likes to not pay a lot for their power, mm -hmm. but it can really mean unreliable service when weather is bad. So they're sort of prioritizing these short-term prices over long-term issues. Mm -hmm. And the infrastructure is just super outdated. It has not been updated or invested in in a long time. And it just, it, it's causing a lot of problems. And there is this major grid operator called ERCOT in Texas. And this yes. is the one with the issue. It covers probably what, 98% of the state. If you look at a map, it's almost everywhere. Yes, and it, it is worth noting that I myself do not fall in the grid. Um, my power is provided by Entergy, but I am one of the few areas in the state that is not covered by ERCOT. Like my uh, brother and sister-in-law and my parents both live more inland and they are covered by ERCOT and my parents went 43 hours without any power, so. That's a long time. If you look at a map, it's pretty much every major city you would have ever heard of in Texas, with the exception of like El Paso, which is yes. basically in New Mexico. So <laughs> basically, um, covers almost everything. And they were the big power grid that was having all the issues this weekend. And the governor is kind of up in arms about this. And he wants there to be reform, which there does need to be. And hopefully he can uh, work to drive that a little bit because yes. 58, 58 people died. Yes. cold weather that's awful absolutely this is a first world country allegedly allegedly, allegedly yeah not so sure this week in texas no. is, but it's just mm -hmm. awful but the issue is electricity demand is obviously going to go up when it's cold because people are going to crank up their heat they're going to turn on their fireplaces they're going to turn on their electric blankets like whatever it is they're going to just there's going to be more demand for power and a lot of the texas electricity is generated from natural gas and natural gas it can't turn into power when it's so cold because the natural gas pipelines ended up freezing yes so that was bad and there was moisture in the gas and they just they couldn't convert it to electricity so there was high demand and no supply mm -hmm. um i read yesterday that people that did have electricity their power bills are like over fifteen thousand dollars it's absolutely ridiculous like i've read so many articles right now like some people like you said are up in the fifteen thousand for their power bills and some pe some of these people still don't even have power yeah. so it's like how you expect me to pay this power bill when you're not even providing the service right now no it's absolutely ridiculous and there's going to continue to be more cold spells. I mean, like at face value, like you said, you don't think about Texas being a cold state. Generally, it's not, but there are times when it happens and there have been multiple really bad winter storms like since the 80s that have caused similar problems to this. Yes. And with global warming, the temperatures are only going to get, you know, the swings are going to be really big. Mm -hmm. So it's only going to get worse and they need to prepare for these more by increasing energy reserves because if it's increased prior to cold surges, you know, then at least if things go, if power goes out, you can get power plants back up and running faster because you're not like waiting to produce that natural and you're not worried about a pipe freeze if it's already there and all that. And look, I'm not an oil and gas expert, but <laughs> I do understand business well enough that like, if you don't incentivize the power plants to prepare, they're not going to do it. No. They're worried about their bottom line. I mean, infrastructure, it is expensive. There's a lot, there's a lot to be built. There's a lot of like regulation and things that have to go into it. And it's just, you have to align the incentives and California has the same issue. So we don't want this to seem like we're just crapping on Texas for being <laughs> super pro-business or anything like that. We obviously know the political landscape in California is not the same as it is in Texas. No. But it's not even a political issue. It's just a money issue. Like the states do not want to pour money into updating their infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And that's not good. If we can't agree on infrastructure, the basic things that we need to a civilized society running, mm -hmm. what are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> so I don't know. I just like seeing people I care about, like Alyssa Suffer, people <laughs> on the news, like, it's just, it's scary. And I just, I hope that it was a wake up call to the Texas lawmakers that 
this is not okay. Like our constituents do not deserve to suffer like this because of essentially a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. And nobody deserves a $15,000 power bill. No. Mm-hmm. So. And I'd just like to um, throw in there uh, at the very end, one of my coworkers actually lost his house um, in an electrical fire uh, because of this. And he oh, was no. at our station um, working the storm coverage when he got word that his house had caught fire. And he is uh, the father to two twin girls. Um, w- the, everyone's safe, everyone's fine. But um, they went to stay at a hotel overnight because initially it had just like torched the garage. Well, overnight the fire reignited and the whole house has been totaled. However, um, and this is by no means a plug for my social media, but if anyone listening does follow me on social media, I have a link to a GoFundMe to help him out and his family recover from this. So if you feel so inclined, by no means you don't have to, but just throwing that out there because, you know, we, we talk all the time in the news about like, oh, like, Annabelle said like 58 people have died due to cold temperatures and thousands are without power. So if you would like to put a face to uh, this terrible event. Yeah, I mean, it's important. I think just talking about media in general, I mean, there's so many woes in the media, you know, to get (laughs) a podcast name. And it's, it's very easy to kind of forget about the individual people who are sort of behind the stories and like who's dying from COVID, who's having their fire in their house because of, you know, these disasters, like who's, who's having to evacuate because of hurricanes, like whatever the story is. Yes. are affecting everyday Americans, individual people who, you know, don't deserve this to happen to them. And it's, it's not good. So I guess a little reality check for, for everybody there that it's easy not to care if it's not happening to you, but these are ultimately people. Yes. So. So in Texas, I mean, with their with their grid being so isolated from the rest of the country, it wasn't even like they could get power from anywhere else. No. I mean, they were pretty much just screwed. The whole that whole portion of the country. I think Oklahoma had some issues as well, not nearly to the same extent. But <laughs> so hopefully, you guys can get some warmer weather, um, and there won't be any more immediate issues. But um, <laughs> yeah, uh, infrastructure in America is outdated, and it's it it cannot continue to service the size of the population um, for this long. So it's, it's definitely something we need to get invested in and lawmakers need to look at yes. allocating money toward. Woo. It's like smiling through the pain right now. It's just like, yay. <laughs> Trying to like not think about it, but okay. So to go to, um, well, I can't say a, lighter side because my first story is very serious and um, very intense. Um, So this week, the trailer for Demi Lovato's new YouTube documentary dropped. It's called Demi Lovato Dancing with the Devil. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to come out March 23rd. And the, the biggest thing that most people took away from the trailer is she revealed that during her in, during the aftermath of her 2018 overdose, she suffered three strokes, a heart attack, and from what I can infer, permanent brain damage from this whole thing. And she makes mention of how her doctors told her in the moments after, like when she was brought into uh, the hospital, she was told she had five to 10 minutes to live. Oh my God. I know, Ten right? Minutes? Mm-hmm. Being told that in the in the hospital and emergency room, and she has also revealed that she no longer drives because she has blind spots in her vision. Um, and it just got me thinking because I know a lot of people may forget this, um, but Demi Lovato was a child star. She got her start when she was ten years old, um, and she was most notably on Barney, yes, with Selena Gomez. Gomez, That's how they met and became friends. And it just makes me think about like childhood, child stars, like lasting impact of how it, the industry affects them and how these expectations are put upon them. Because she actually went to rehab for the first time at the age of 18. Oh 
Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Do we know, like, I hate the expression, what are you in here for? But what was she struggling with to- What was she being treated for? Yes. Um, So I don't know the exact reason, but I do know that at this time, she figured out that she was suffering from bipolar disorder, as well as um, anorexia and severe bullying. Like she, I remember reading like J14, Tiger Beat, M magazines when I was like 12. Right. And every now and then she would have a whole like full page spread about her struggles with bullying. Mm -hmm. And obviously bullying is a very, like very sensitive and very serious topic. But I remember as a 12 to 13 year old being like, oh, whatever, you know, bullying. Cause like I was thankfully- you're not reading Tiger Beat for the PSA as you're reading it to like see if you're Zac Efron's perfect match. Exactly. Like, yes. What what the next movie is gonna be. I need more posters for my bedroom wall. Yeah, like the shiny stuff. You wanna see like the lip gloss ads, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I certainly didn't care about that stuff when I was reading those magazines. That's not their audience. No, not at all. So I like, I felt bad in retrospect, but at the same time, like you said, we're we're not reading these teen magazines for like good journalism and we're not doing it. You know, we, we go in with a very juvenile mindset of what bullying is and like Mm -hmm. not the everlasting effects of them. And This new documentary is not her first. She actually had an MTV documentary produced back in 2012 talking about her struggles, as well as another YouTube documentary that came out in 2017. So right before the overdose. I actually remember where I was when I read like the breaking news line that she had overdosed. I was on vacation with my mother and we had just come out of a movie theater. Oh, I I know, right? I was like, oh. I actually had forgotten Mm-hmm. But that was something she struggled with. I know I can really appreciate a celebrity who's in the public eye so much being so open and authentic and vulnerable about a lot of their struggles. And I knew that she had struggled with depression and anxiety and bullying. And if I remember correctly, like self-harm. Yes. And some very scary things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But that was one that I had forgotten about. So that's um, it's good to know. But yes. So, and one of the biggest things that I took away personally from the trailer, as well as the articles that I read surrounding the trailer was Demi Lovato has been obviously very candid and transparent about her struggles with addiction, anorexia, um, mental health. But what I really appreciated was she said that she is not most creative when she is in this dark place and consuming drugs Mm -hmm. because I feel that you know we always cite like oh the Beatles did their best work while under the influence of drugs and Kurt Cobain you know when he was on heroin was producing amazing music now this is not to condemn the Beatles or Kurt Cobain or anyone who has ever used um, substances at all I just think that Hollywood loves to use um, alcohol and drugs as a crutch for creativity. And glamorizing it. Exactly. Yeah. And I really appreciate that she's le- and that she has shared that, no, that's exactly the opposite of what I am experiencing when I am in a dark place. I am the least creative because, right. you know, like everyone wants to be special, obviously. And everyone is special. But Hollywood, you know, really makes us want to find and hone our different crafts and wants us to feel like we are the only person capable of thinking the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And you have to be different in order to do that. And it just, I just really appreciated her saying that because I feel like all these like young girls, young boys, young individuals that are like listening and watching her journey in life being like, oh, maybe drug use, maybe alcoholism, maybe all these different vices are what I should stay away from, you know, enjoy in moderation, Um, obviously not the illegal stuff, but the the, the legal things. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. 
exactly. Just know the know the rules and follow them as best you can. Um, but yeah, that was that was a big thing that I took away from it, and I really appreciated her saying no. That is good that she said that because everyone is special and everybody's brain is special and yes. everybody is going to have a different experience when they indulge in these types of substances. I mean, even with something, you know, a lot less intense than like cocaine or psychedelics or something like that. I mean, somebody could smoke pot and have a panic attack and somebody else could smoke pot and just want to take a nap. I mean, it's yeah. It could be a completely different experience. So I'm definitely glad she highlighted that and was not, didn't sugarcoat it, didn't, didn't glamorize it or anything like that. Um, definitely makes for a good role model um, for people who are struggling with anything similar, for sure. That yes. you know, it's not necessarily going to help you tap into a different side of yourself, a positive one, at least, maybe for some people. But yeah. I would say it seems like the Beatles and Kurt Cobain maybe were the exception, not the rule. Yes. And obviously this is a blanket statement because I, I personally do not have a single clue of what um, substances or what exactly she was, you know, relying on um, in her, in her times of need and struggle. So that's just like a blanket thing. And uh, yes, I hope the best for her. I probably am not going to watch uh, the documentary just because I do not personally have YouTube read. Um, oh, is that where it's? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they keep billing it as a YouTube original, and that's what they've used in the past to promo YouTube red shows. Gotcha. So um, I'm sure I'll read more about it when it comes out, but I don't. I I don't think I will be watching it. So. Yeah, that's unfortunate. It's not on a more popular platform. Mm -hmm. I don't know anybody with YouTube Red, to be honest. I like, I have a YouTube channel and YouTube is where I spend most of my time. I wholeheartedly believe that YouTube Red is the most useless streaming platform. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that may keep me from getting any sponsorships or making money off YouTube in the, in the future, but that's just how I feel. The whole thing is a streaming platform. Why do they need Exactly. I don't, I don't understand. Everybody just wants to get on the streaming wars, I guess. Absolutely. Like something plus. And plus, Apple TV plus, Paramount plus is now coming out in March. To go back to your side of uh, the story with the business stuff, did you see that YouTube is actually um, releasing YouTube shorts to rival TikTok? Yes. Uh-huh. So it's like Mark Zuckerberg here. They, um, if they're not going to acquire it, they're going to copy it. And exactly. They're gonna it on their own platform. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, um, that's it for my Demi Lovato story. And now to talk about the bright shining light in my world, Dolly Parton. Oh, yes. <laughs> if anyone knows me, they know that I'm a huge Dolly Parton fan. I grew up listening to her music. My grandfather was obsessed with her. He had a signed portrait of her in his office at work and he referred to her as his girlfriend, which confused the hell out of me as a child because I was <laughs> like, you're married to grandma though. But anyways, um, she released a statement this week stating that the Tennessee legislature, which is her home state, uh, proposed a bill to erect a statue of her likeness on the state capitol grounds. Mm -hmm. And she is very thankful for the gift that this would be, but she said, and I quote, given all that is going on in the world, I don't think putting me on a pedestal is appropriate at this time. Mm -hmm. And she followed it up with quote, after I'm gone, if you still feel I deserve it, you can do it, you know? <laughs> and I, I love that she thinks in the time between now and when she never hopefully passes away, uh, that she won't deserve it any more than she does now yeah. right I was like bye girl but this really got me thinking because Dolly Parton is one of my idols but it also made me think about like celebrity worship culture mm -hmm. because there are so many people in recent history I don't know how many of them are from the state of Tennessee I'm sure there are many <laughs> but um you know, that are doing so many things in terms of education, science, reaching out, you know, humanitarian work that could be 
also given a statue in their honor on the state capitol grounds. But, you know, because Dolly Parton is a very well-known individual, she is the first go-to. Mm -hmm. So, but I would also just like to take this moment. I have my full notes. Um, on the opposite end of that, I would like to list reasons why I think she should deserve some type of statue, which also, um, if you've ever been to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, or Sevierville, Tennessee, which is where Dolly Parton's from, they actually do have a statue of her in front of the Sevier County Courthouse. I've visited it. I've cried in front of it. It was a great yeah. time. <laughs> you make a sacrifice. So <laughs> I did not, but I did take many a picture and got emotional in front of it. But um, I just wanted to list off some of the things that Dolly Parton has done in her career. Um, when she first became famous, uh, Tennessee was actually, I don't know if it was the entire state or just her county was known as very, very illiterate. Like their literacy rate was abysmal. So to counteract that, she established the Imagination Library, which is part of the Dollywood Foundation, which if you've been to Dollywood, holler, it's the best place in the world, sorry. Melissa goes uh, very regularly. I do, I do, I love Dollywood. Um, but the Imagination Library is a program in which you um, enrolled children are mailed one book per month from birth to the age of five or kindergarten. Oh, wow, okay. To kind of like- a lot of books. Exactly, yeah, yeah every month. Yeah. So, it's, oh God, I just, I, I'm sorry if I'm faltering. I just love her so much and it makes me so happy that someone like her exists, you know? <laughs> uh, but this program has benefited 1600 local communities in the state of Tennessee and has provided almost 850,000 children with wow. reading material. That's so many. I know, right? That's awesome. And I'm sure a lot of those kids like I mean, their parents, depending on like what region they're from, you know, wh what their parents' situation is, they can't afford books, I'm sure. Some no. of them have just, they're trying to put food on the table. They can't. Absolutely. Afford there's more, there, there's more important things at certain times that you need to spend money on. Mm -hmm. So it's a very nice like thing for her to reach out to. And also this program has reached across the United States as well as Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, and the Republic of Ireland. Very nice. So she is, she is getting y'all books. She said, y'all gonna read today. Yes, you are. <laughs> now I have a question. Are, she doesn't write the books, does she? No, but I will this get into that some, later. not some like closed loop of like Dolly Parton. No, okay, but I, so I will mention her um, her writing exploits later on. Don't you? Okay. So she's sending them like fun with Dick and Jane or whatever. Yeah, those... you know, like a Berenstein Bears moment, yes. like Critter. Did you read Critter as a child? Little, little Critter. Critter. Yeah. yeah, Little Critter. He's so cute. He's like a little monster looking guy, but yeah. he's. Oh, uh, I'm glad someone else knows Little Critter. He was oh, one of my favorites. Yeah, the Richard. What's his? Richard something. Fairy. Scary was that his name? Richard Scary, because he also had the little the little town with the worm. Yes. Okay. I didn't realize those were the same author. I'm pretty sure they are. No, it's Meridian Mark. Damn it. That's who wrote Sorry. the scary books. The the um. That's who wrote the the little little critter books. We're gonna get dragged in the comments. <laughs> I'm gonna do a little. Bit. <laughs> okay. While you do that. Um, Dolly Parton has also raised money for the American Red Cross and HIV and AIDS related charities for research. <laughs> what? Mercer Mayor. Oh, I was like, why are you did I say Meridian Mark? How did I come up with that? I like Mercer. Meridian Mark. <laughs> no, Mercer Mayor, he is not the same person or she. I actually don't know the gender of the author, but um, how dare you assume? I Mercer, I honestly couldn't tell you what that would be off the top of my head. I know I grew up with a kid named Mercer and they identified as a male. So the pronouns on Wikipedia are masculine. So there you go. But you know, if, if you identify as a woman or neither of the two binary genders, you know, name yourself Mercer. Why not? Yes. It's a good Do name. It. 
But yes, she has raised money for the American Red Cross as well as HIV and AIDS related charities, which also, you know, goes into like a lot of people are always like, how is Dolly Parton a gay icon? And it's like, have you seen her? Like she is a drag queen. And I say that with all the heart in the world. Like yeah, a lot of makeup, a lot of hair, a lot lot of makeup, a lot of work, flashy, flashy costumes, wigs, you know, and one of my favorite things about her is, uh, you know, people comment on her appearance and they're like, she looks like a whore or whatever, you know, and that's the point. Like she has said, you know, growing up, she came from a poor family mm-hmm. and she always commented about like in real life as well as television, like the quote unquote town slut was always the prettiest woman. And they were the most flashy. And she was like, I wanted to be like them. So mm-hmm. like she hears you loud and clear and it's on purpose. So and she's controlling the narrative. She's not doing it for you. She's doing exactly, it for Exactly. Exactly. And also That's another one of her another one of her famous quotes, it takes a lot of money to look this cheap. <laughs> I love that. You've never heard it's that like, one? No, I've never heard that. I'm oh not I'm the Dolly Parton stand that you are, but um, oh my God. maybe I should be. Maybe I just need to educate you more. Like me and me and Annabelle have been friends for like five years now. And I don't know how I haven't told her everything there is to know about Dolly Parton. <laughs> There's only so many hours in a day, Alyssa. I mean, yeah, you're right. Um, she has also led efforts to preserve the bald eagle in the United States. There is actually a- The sanctu- country's bird, by the way. The country's bird. That's the mascot. Yes. And there's actually a sanctuary in Dollywood, the amusement park where you can go and it's like- the side of a mountain but it's like roped off like obviously they're in their own little space but you can go up and like look at the birds it's beautiful it's very nice and tranquil um and there's also other birds that are close by but the sanctuary on the side of the mountain is strictly for the bald eagles so Mm -hmm. um next (laughs) turn my page oh 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 i turned it the wrong way (laughs) okay getting a little more serious for a second. Um, for those of you who don't know, in 2016, the area that she is from is also occupied by the Great Smoky Mountains. Yes. And there was, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm pretty sure it went back to an arson case, but this area of the country was ravaged by wildfires. Yeah. And when I say ravaged, I mean, approximately $2 billion in damages, oh 17,900 acres of were burned, destroyed 2,460 buildings, and 14 deaths were attributed to these wildfires. Wow. So because Dolly is very proud of where she comes from and loves the area of Tennessee that she is from. She participated in a telethon with fellow country singers to raise money. And she also hosted her own telethon right after the um, wildfire ceased and reportedly raised just by herself. Her own telethon reportedly raised $9 million. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, that'll, that'll definitely help. I mean, yeah. two billion is obviously a lot of damage, but I mean, that's, that's very significant for one woman to do all that. And I, um, I traveled to Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg, Sevierville in July, safely, I will add, I never took my mask off, but we still saw damages and it was four years later. Like yeah. we could still see like parts of the mountain that were singed from these wildfires. So yeah, fires are no joke. Mm-hmm. absolutely just, or they get on a war path and will cause mm-hmm. some major problems i mean we saw it in california we saw it in australia early last year like yes they're scary mm-hmm. and like even if you're not a dolly Parton fan i highly recommend this area of the country because it is breathtaking it's so beautiful up there in the mountains um okay the most recent um work by Miss Parton the COVID-19 pandemic oh yes she donated one million dollars to Vanderbilt University which is located in Tennessee she donated to their medical school's research and later production of the Moderna vaccine now Vanderbilt didn't create the vaccine but they helped you know give the research and production needed 
to help Moderna. There are a lot of clinical trials set up at universities in major cities all over the country. I know there was one at Emory University in Atlanta, yes. Georgia Tech, and it's just like a good central location for mm -hmm. the clinical trials to happen because they have the labs and all the facilities and stuff. Yes. So, um, and Vander or Nashville in general is actually a very big healthcare capital. I don't know if people know that, but the Vanderbilt healthcare system is really strong. Um, as someone who works in finance, a lot of like healthcare specific banks and investment firms and things like that, that like to focus on healthcare, they're located up there for that reason. So it's <laughs> a big hotbed for care. And I remember like right after it came out that she donated the money for the, uh, for the Moderna research, like everybody kept calling the Moderna vaccine, the Dolly Parton vaccine, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> but um, in other Dolly Parton news, you know, to, to take a step away from her humanitarian work, Ms. Parton has produced 51 studio albums, six live albums, five soundtracks, one extended play, and approximately 185 compilation albums throughout her career did you say 51 studio albums if you go look at it like she was producing back in like the 70s when she first became popular she was producing like an album every every few months honestly oh like she was Lord. hammering them out She's doing work that's a, that's absurd uh-huh you see I why i stand i've never heard of anybody doing that many yeah Wow. Um, she she's not has... working nine to five guys. She's waking <laughs> up real early. I did read that once I read it. It was like a day in the life of Dolly Parton. She gets up at like four in the morning. Mm -hmm. Can't sleep. She pours herself a big cup of ambition. Ambition. Yeah. I love it. I'm glad you actually brought that up. Cause my next line was she has starred in eight theatrical films of which I have seen of six of them. Have. So seen, uh, nine to five is a bop like it, even if you're once again if you're not a Dolly Parton stan Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are both in that film as well and they uh it's one of the funniest films ever made honestly and but I will say my personal favorite is ironically the best little whorehouse in Texas with Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, and Charles Durning um <laughs> not trying to get political at all, but um, there's a song in Bessel Whorehouse in Texas where the governor of the state is like asked about what he's going to do about um, the whorehouse. Like, are you going to shut it down, sir? What What's going to happen? Are you going to get involved? And the whole song is him like skirting around the issue. Like it's called the sidestep. And it's like, go look it up on YouTube because it, it makes me smile every single time I watch it. But because of this week's events, it did uh, remind me of a certain senator from the Lone Star State. Oh, yes. Who uh, skirted the disaster going on? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So like that song, I was like, this is this is very reminiscent of um, uh, Senator Cruz right now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but um, the, the movie is fantastic. Go go watch it if you haven't, because it's one of my favorites. And Bessel Whorehouse in Texas. Yes, what it's about. based off of a musical. Love it. That, <laughs> honestly, I, that's just a funny title. That'll stick with you for a while. Honestly, I wanted to come back to Broadway like stat. Like it hasn't been on Broadway since like I believe two thousand one. So it's been Broadway long enough. To come back to Broadway stat. Or wait, hold it. No, it actually hasn't been on Broadway since nineteen eighty two. Well, dang. They did a tour in two thousand one, but yeah, bring it back, guys, please. I would, I would be front row in line when it is obviously safe to be on Broadway. Yes. But yes, and last thing I have going back to your question about whether she writes all of these books she sends out herself, she has seven published works. Okay. Mm -hmm. She has a child's book about um, her very famous song, "The Coat of Many Colors," um, all about that. And I can't remember the other ones, but they're all really cute. Like I've looked up pictures of them, and they're all adorable. So I'm sorry if this wasn't really like news news but I just thought you know like with all the bad things that are going on in this world to highlight someone who is doing good but she also doesn't necessarily want all the attention for it because she realizes that being a good person doesn't always mean um 
asking for something in return. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that. And I thought it would be a nice pick me up from other things going on this yeah. week. No, absolutely. It gives you like a good glimmer of hope that there are people who are just like rays of sunshine who truly have like pure hearts and they're not, they're not selfish. They're not, you know, in this for fame. I mean, Dolly Parton's already famous. She's already rich. She doesn't need to do any of this no. for the publicity, for the money. Like she has more of that probably than she ever could have imagined. And she just kind of has taken her, the power that she does have and she's using it as a force for good, which I think is very admirable. And, um, you know, hopefully celebrities who are not currently doing similar works can kind of follow her example. Absolutely. And I can't remember, were you, were we living together at the time during the 2019 Grammys when they did a tribute to her? The Grammys are normally in the spring, right? Like February-ish, yeah. So they would have been, yeah. Okay, because I, re- I was reminded of that this week, um, this week when I was doing uh, the um, research for this because they did a tribute to her during the 2019 ceremony and I remember vividly crying like on the couch <laughs> watching it and gonna just sprinkle a little bit of my other favorite people in the entire world right now uh that was the first year that BTS was actually invited to the Grammys and at one point during the tribute to Dolly Parton they cut to them in the crowd and they were probably like thinking like oh these people don't even know who Dolly Parton is one of the guys was literally like waving his hands in the air and crying it's the power of Dolly Parton She's someone we can all get behind for sure. Exactly. So that that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, we had a good mix of stories this week. We covered some incentive problems. We covered some weather. We covered Dolly Parton. And we covered um, Demi Lovato and her struggles with mental health and addiction. So yes, kind of ran the gambit here today. Yes. Serving versatility. We give it all. Absolutely. So... <laughs> We hope you all enjoyed this mix of stories. Um, We will be monitoring the news and pop culture all week to see what else comes up so we can, you know, make, uh, continue to make these episodes about what's interesting and what's going on. So thank you for listening today. We hope you enjoyed it and we'll talk to y'all next week. Have a good week.